Hey, good morning. Y'all are going to have to put up with my voice today. I apologize. Um, I, I don't feel as bad as I sound. But anyway, I've been sick for a little over a day. But uh, anyway, you, you guys will just get past that. Thank you, Lee, for um, adjusting sound as needed. We're starting a new series today called Summer at Hope. And here's what's going to happen today through July into the first few weeks of August. We are going to um, kind of unpack some questions that I get asked a lot, and uh, we're going to look at what Scripture says and, and hopefully um, dive into that this way. But I want to I just, I want to start today with the story that I found in Reader's Digest, and uh, let me just read it to you, and, and if you want to email me later, that's fine. Um, this is from Reader's Digest. It says, a pastor began his Sunday sermon by saying, I'd like to make three points today. First... There are millions of people around the world who are going to hell. Second, most of us sitting here today don't give a damn about those people. After a lengthy pause, he continued, my third point is that you are more concerned that as your pastor, I said the word damn, than you are that millions of people are going to hell. And I know there's like nervous laughter right now because that, that's okay. But I, I shared that story not to be um, over the top or anything, but because it's going to fit into where we're going to go this morning. And if you have your Bibles, you can go to the book of John, John chapter 17. And I'm not saying that about our church, but I think it's really, really easy to forget that we have coworkers and neighbors and friends and even family that... Unless they hear the good news about Jesus and respond to it, their eternity is without God. Their eternity is hell. Hell's a real place. We don't talk about it as much in church as we used to, but it's a real deal. It's a real thing. People are dying every day, and their eternity is without God. And I, one of the things I believe that Scripture teaches about hell Yes, there's fire. Yes, there's brimstone. Yes, it's going to be incredibly painful. But you know what the most painful thing is going to be? These individuals that were created to have a relationship with God. They were created by God to have relationship, to have fellowship. They're going to be without God forever, without any chance of getting back. Without God's, it's a place without God's presence, without his spirit, without any of that. Separated. Forever and ever and ever. And so um, I, I started working on this series back around Memorial Day. Memorial Day is a, is a unique day um, for, for us. And, and I have incredible respect for those that have served and are serving in our, in our military. And thinking about Memorial Day, um, Memorial Day says this about our country. It says America is worth fighting for and worth dying for. And I, that just got me thinking. I was kind of processing uh, this message today, and um, it got me kind of thinking back to when America was started. And I, I'm going to call these things American ideas. And, and so here are some ideas that, that our forefathers had about this country that we call home. Um, that liberty for the individual and liberty that is ordered, meaning um, no, everyone should be free from oppression because of belief. And the, the liberty is ordered. It's not a bunch of chaos. 
That was a thought. Another one was there needs to be government, but it needs to be limited government because our forefathers knew that the sin nature was too much, and if one person had too much power, that probably was going to go downhill. So it was this idea of government, but limited government. And then there was this morality, this kind of Judeo-Christian mindset. Um, and these were, these were some of the ideas that our country started with. And they've led to unique moments uh, of flourishing and seasons of flourishing. And here's even one of the better things about those. Um, they were kind of these ideas were kind of a true north for our country. Meaning if we got off track a little bit, if we went down a path maybe we shouldn't, these ideas kind of brought us back to center to, to get to a place where we could experience more perfect union. And um, even when we got things wrong in our history, let's just call it what it is. We got things wrong. There's no, it's, not, it's black and white. It's not a gray. With slavery, with how we treated women, e- even when those things were going on, these ideas... Um, uh, got us kind of back, and, and we made some changes and, and changed some things about who we are. And so here's a question I want us to wrestle with today, and it's not the big question, but it leads into it. How do we as Christians, as those that follow Christ, how do we fight for America? How do we fight for this country? And so let's go to the book of John, John chapter 17. We're going to look at what God's word says. Um, and this is a really... If you get a chance to maybe do a study on this chapter, this chapter is filled with the prayer of Jesus for his disciples and for us. He prayed this prayer saying, God, I'm leaving, and this is what my followers, it's what these disciples need, it's what others need. And so we're going to start in verse, um, verse 11. Just look, look with me in John 17, 11. I am no longer in the world but they are in the world. He's praying this for his disciples, the 12 or actually the 11 are right there in the room. I'm no longer in the world, but, but they are in the world. And I'm coming to you, Holy Father, protect them by your name that you have given me so that they may be one as we are one. So he's talking unity there. While I was with them, I was protecting them by your name that you've given me. I guarded them. And not one of them is lost except the son of destruction so that the scripture may be fulfilled. Who he's talking about there is actually is Judas, the one that betrayed Jesus. We're, we're familiar with that. It goes on, and, and we're going to look in verse 13 in just a minute, but I want to make this point. In those two verses, we see God's protection for his people. Who's thankful for that today? And I'm thankful for God's protection But God is not just about protecting his people. He has a purpose for his people. He has a purpose for you. He has a purpose for your life, for your future, for this week, for today. He has a purpose for me. Whether you're 85 or you're 15, he has a purpose for your life when you're his. All right, verse 13 of John 17. It says, Now I am coming to you, and I speak these things in the world so that they may have my joy completed in them. I have given them your word. The world hated them because they are not of this world, just as I am not of the world. I'm not praying that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. There we see protection again. 
But then he gets into the real purpose. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. And then he says this. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. Would you pray with me? God, I pray right now, just in the next few minutes, as we, uh, as we look at these verses, as we talk about things that are so close to your heart, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would challenge us, your Holy Spirit maybe would awaken some of us, um, and that you would accomplish in our individual lives, and you'd accomplish in the life of this church exactly what you want to. God, this is your church, it's not ours, and we want to be faithful and obedient to what you call us to do, in the mighty and powerful name of Jesus, we pray together and say, amen. That last statement in that passage is all about purpose for us. As followers of Jesus, if you have not made a commitment to follow Jesus, you're off the hook for this last part until you make that choice. But he said, listen, as Father God, as you sent me into the world, I in turn am turning around and I'm sending them. I'm sending them to go and to be my ambassadors, to be the salt, to be the light, to be the difference makers. And I've heard pastors say this, and I think that this is, um, this is there's, there's something that's a little wrong about this. And we can nitpick lots of things pastors say, including myself. But um, that the whole point of salvation is heaven. Well, if that were true, why... Why wouldn't God, as soon as we commit our life to him, just beam us up into heaven? It's like a beam me up Scotty moment, right? He just just takes us and we're gone. No, he leaves us here until our time is up. He leaves us here because he wants us to be his ambassadors. He wants us to get that real sense of being sent by him into this world. And so here's the big question that we're going to wrestle with today in this message. How are Christians to be in the world but not of the world? Because those are two very, very different things. How are we to be in the world but not of the world? Um, I've been, this has been really kind of hard. This this week has been a challenge for a number of reasons um, in in just getting this message together. But one, one of the things that I've been wrestling with is how do you even define a Christian? What does that look like? Well, I mean, in practical sense, what is that? We all know, or, or most of us probably know, that a, a Christian is someone that's committed their life to Jesus, that has prayed a sinner's prayer, that has asked for forgiveness, that has invited Jesus into our heart to be our Lord and Savior. And let me just hit pause. If you've done that and you've never been baptized in water, you can just show up today and we'll baptize you at, at the baptism celebration. Come, bring a towel, um, bring a change of clothes, and we will be happy to baptize you. It's a, it's a step of obedience that God asks all of us to take that follow him. But how do we define what a Christian does? And I, I want to just give you six words. It's really simple. It's making it really basic, but that's okay. We love God. Why? Because he first loved us, sent his son to die for us. We love others. And gosh, can't that be hard sometimes? Aren't there some people in your life that you're like, I don't know if I love you, right? I mean, you're just like, I don't, I, how do I love this person? But God calls us to love God and love others. 
And then here would be the other two words that I just want to throw out to you today. And maybe we'll do a series on this at some point. But uh, we live sent, meaning we've been sent to accomplish something. We've been sent with purpose. We've been placed in our offices, in our neighborhoods, in our communities for a reason. Not just because that's what the universe wanted to do, but because it's what God had for us. He's sending us out into the world to proclaim his message. And you know what? There's no plan B. There's no other option. It's up to us that believe and trust and have experienced Jesus to share that with people. And if we don't share it, they're not going to hear it. And it says in Romans, how, how, can they, how can they believe if they haven't heard? It's up to us for them to hear. So how as Christians are we to be in the world but not of the world? Let me just give us some guiding truths um, really quickly, and I'm just going to run through these pretty quick. Number one is this. We're not entitled to special status in the world or America or from the world or from America. I know sometimes we like to think that, but as Christians, we, 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 we don't have a special status. And, and if you watch the news and if you hear the commentary, you know that things are kind of going in a different direction than maybe they were 30, 40, 50 years ago when it comes to that. But I think as Americans, and we're blessed in so many ways with this country, um, we don't realize all the persecution that happens to Christians around the world. And we get a little bit of pushback on our beliefs and we're like, and there are people that are losing their lives and losing their families and losing their homes because they've stood up for Christ. And so it's not a surprise. We don't have this special status. Philippians 3 verse 20 says this, our citizenship is in heaven. Who says amen to that? Amen. We eagerly wait for a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. There's another scripture that I want to read um, from 2 Corinthians 5 20. And it says, we are ambassadors for Christ since God is making his appeal through you. So the second guiding truth is this. We're not in this world to find joy. And, and let me explain that. Jesus referenced joy in this prayer to God, the Father, in John 17. Uh, he said, I, I want them to experience my joy. And I, he didn't choose those words by accident. Because here's the problem when, when we look to the world as our sense of joy, we start looking just like the, the world does. And there's nothing different about us. There's nothing that allows us to stand out. There's nothing that marks our lives as different or impactful because we look just like the neighbor down the street. We might even drive the same car. We live in the same style house. We, we look exactly like the world, and that's not what God has sent us to be. He's, he's sent us out to be different. And I don't, when I say different, I don't mean different in a weird or kooky or strange way. I mean just that our lives are about something different. Our purpose in life is not just to pile up money or to have nice things or stuff or to, to just um, be excellent in our career or be able to retire early. No, our purpose in life is to be an ambassador for Christ, to share his message and his name with everyone that we come in contact with. So we're not in the world to find joy. The third guiding principle is this. We must not see this fight in purely political, economic, or relational battle lines. Because it's a very spiritual 
thing. It's, it, it's not just about, um, about politics. The news media wants us to see the fight specifically in those lines because then it becomes us versus them. And then, then there's more news to unpack and there's more news to communicate. And we go down these paths that end up harming relationships and it just, it just becomes bad. When I was a young youth pastor, um, I, I went through a season, and this is before Chris and I were even married, I went through a season where I was incredibly frustrated because we were seeing a lot of kids come to the youth group, but there were so many of them, they, their lives weren't any different than the rest of the kids in school. And um, we had a lot of people that were coming, a lot of students, middle school and high school students that were coming, but their lives weren't any different. And they were making crazy choices, and, and I'm just like, you know, God, what am I doing here? I'm not making an impact. This isn't working. We need to do something different. Am I even supposed to be in ministry? All those thoughts go through my head. And this pastor, and he wasn't even my pastor, but he was a pastor in, in the area, sat me down over coffee. I didn't even really like coffee that much then. I was just starting to. But uh, he, he goes, and he, and he was always an encouragement to me. He saw something in me I didn't see in myself. And he sat me down and he said, because he could tell I was frustrated. And I explained to him, I, I'm frustrated by this. And he said, listen, don't be, you should never be surprised or mad at lost people when they live like lost people. And he was relating it back to teenagers. But, but we should never be surprised when someone who doesn't commit their life to Christ lives a certain way. Don't let that shock you. Don't be mad at them about that. It, it, we sometimes get so bent out of shape about those things, but this, this fight isn't political, purely political or economic or relational. The, the fourth one is this. Um, we're not in the world to compromise or distort truth. When I use that word truth, I'm talking about God's word. And I, I, gotta, I gotta be careful what I say here, but I'm, I'm, I'm gonna say it pretty plainly. Um, there are churches and there are denominations of churches out there that are compromising God's word. That are, that are saying, you know what, God's standard, we're, we like this, but we don't really like this. We think this is, is, is for today, but this isn't. And churches that compromise the authority of scripture, maybe they do it because they interpret it wrong, but, but I, I believe a lot of times the reason is a lack of integrity. We have churches redefining marriage, redefining biology, redefining sexual or human sexuality. And, and you can choose to believe that if you want, but you can't believe that and the word of God at the same time. And so we're not in the world to compromise or distort the truth of God's word. Our sanctification, and what that word is a kind of a churchy word, um, sanctification, it's us becoming more and more like Jesus as we follow him, is a major priority and part of our strategy. I'm going to go back into, into John 17. He says, I sanctify myself for them so that they also may be sanctified by the truth. I pray not only for these, but also for those who believe in me through their word. Now, let me, I don't want us to miss this. Jesus is praying this prayer for his 11 disciples. And he, he said, 
God, I'm, I'm praying for these right here in front of me. These 11 men that I've poured into, that have seen me do miracles, that have heard me teach, that have seen me open blind eyes and raise the dead to life and, and cause lame people to walk and set people free. God, I'm praying for them, but I'm also praying for those who believe in me through their word. God was praying for you. Jesus was praying for you right here in John 17. Now, do you feel the weight of that? Do you feel the impact of that? That God was praying for us to be his ambassadors, to be those that live sent, that we share the message of Jesus. We are to be in and not of the world in the way that Jesus was in the world but not of the world. And I would even take it a step further and say Jesus was for the world, right? And he came for the world, no doubt about it. One of the most famous scriptures, John 3, 16, what, is, what does it say? He came for everyone. He came for the world. Doesn't matter the, the color of your skin. Doesn't matter your background. It's for, it's for everyone. He came for the world. And God wants us to be for the world. And I love that this whole principle and this theme is woven through the Old Testament. I, w- I want to just read one scripture to you from the book of Jeremiah 29, verse 7, to illustrate it. And keep in mind, the Israelites were living in captivity at this time. The prophet Jeremiah is speaking, and this is, what he, this, is what, this is what God says through the prophet. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf for its welfare, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. So this, this idea that God is for the world and that as followers of him were to be for the world as well, not not of the world, in the world, and for the world. I mean, think about this illustration in Jeremiah. This was a pagan city. These people were not worshiping Yahweh. They were not worshiping the God of the Bible. They were worshiping their gods. But God was for them. He said, hey, you need to benefit the city that you're in living in exile right now. When, when, when you help that city be better, it's going to eventually affect you. You need to be for them. And so here's the question that I've been wrestling with for a good month. And the, the big question of, of today is, how do we live in the world and, and not of the world as followers of Jesus? But, but here, here's something that I want to just, just share today. This is kind of hard to share because I don't think we fully have it at this point. But I I want you to hear this. How do I, or how do we, or how does Hope Church help people believe the message of Jesus? Because that's, bottom line, what we're called to do. In our schools, in our communities, in our jobs, How do we help people get to a place where they can believe the message of Jesus? See, church isn't about just consuming what we want or selfish ideas. It's not about how do I make the student ministry look exactly like I want it to or how do I get them to sing the songs that I like. No, it's about how do we how do I, how do you, how do, us, how do we together, how do we help people believe the message 
of Jesus because we have been sent and we're not to be of the world, but we're to be for the world and we're in the world. And so as one sent by Jesus, if we say, okay, Kevin, I buy into the love God and love others and live sent. I, I buy into that. As a, that's, that defines a Christian. As one sent by Jesus, I, I, how, how do I do that? I must simultaneously, I'm going to give you three things really quickly. I must trust God's sovereignty. Can I tell you that's really tough? When things happen in our life that don't make any sense, trusting God's sovereignty, that he's in control, and he's working a plan that we sometimes don't see and can't, I, I, really? I've got to trust God's sovereignty, that he's sovereign, that he reigns over it all, that he is large and in charge, if you want to say that. I, I, I can't change a heart. You can't change a heart. I, I, I can't fill a, people, a person's heart with hope. Or peace. Only God does that. This week I um, unexpectedly had to make a trip to Texas to do a funeral kind of last minute for um, two students that were in my youth group in Texas. When I first started out, uh, their dad, who was in his early 60s, committed suicide. And they called me and said, hey, we'd like you to come do this funeral if you could. We know it's last minute. So I went. And can I tell you, there was a funeral home packed with about 300 people. And I'm standing up in front of them going, they're expecting words of comfort and hope and grace and purpose from my lips. And I'm not even sure, God, what you want me to say. And in, in that moment, I, I, reckon, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't have the ability to provide hope for these people and peace for the, the wife who was sitting in the front row that had, later this year, they would have been married 40 years. I couldn't look at those kids or those eight grandkids and go, let me fill your heart with hope and peace. I don't have that ability. God does, though, right? And, I mean, I, and it, was, it was powerful to watch him work and just to hear some of the after effects of what's gone on in the last 24 to 36 hours there. But I don't have that ability, and you don't either. We, we have to trust God's sovereignty. The second one is this. And, and we, we, can, we can trust God's sovereignty, but if we don't embrace our responsibility, it doesn't really matter. Because God's chosen you and I to be his mouthpiece, to be his vessel, to be his ambassadors, to be the ones that he's sending out to say, I want you to share about Jesus, and I want you to let others know the difference that Jesus has made in your life. I said it earlier. There is no plan B. God doesn't have a plan B. The church that Jesus founded before he left the earth is plan A. He asked us to do it. He asked us to be his ambassadors, to be in the world but not of the world, to be for the world. So we have to embrace our responsibility. And then the last one is this. We have to live intentionally and expectantly. And I, I put those two words together on purpose. I mean, let me just ask you this question. Do you believe that the message of Christ can free someone from bondage? Do you think it can free someone from addiction and from depression and from anxiety and from a host of things that so many of us deal with? Absolutely. I believe that. I've seen it. I've watched it. And so 
in our lives, we have to, we have to live intentionally with, with this idea and this thought that my life can matter because one, Jesus has sent me and he has filled me with the ability to communicate to others about the difference that Jesus has made in my life. So, so we have to live intentionally and then here's the part that I think we don't sometimes do, even if we live intentionally. We have to expect it. I mean, do we expect God to move when we show up together on a Sunday? Or do we expect to sing four songs and Kevin gets up and blabbers for like 35 minutes or 40 minutes and we go home? I need to do a better job of expecting God's presence and knowing it's going to show up and then allowing God's presence to impact our lives. But it's not just me. All of us in this room and the people that aren't here today that call Hope Church their home, we, we have to expect God to show up. We have to pray for it. We, we have to expect opportunities to come into our life to share the message of Jesus with people, with our friends, with our neighbors, with strangers, with the person that we sit next to on the plane on our flight that's been delayed. We, we have to expect to do that. We got to ask, God, God, help me. I want to be intentional, and I want to expect you to work on your behalf through me. And so here, here's some, and these are rhetorical. Well, I'm not going to spend time to go through these, these four, really. <clears throat> I'm going to wrap up in just a couple minutes. But here, 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 out of the whole idea of how do I, how do you, how do we together as a church, how do we help people believe the message of Jesus? Here, here's four questions. And listen, these will be in loop in the notes section. And if you, it'll be easier just to get them maybe screenshot on your phone or to write them down later or to save them. But let me just go through them really quickly. The first one is this. How do I treat and interact with people to help them believe the message of Jesus? How do I treat and interact with people to help them believe the message of Jesus? Last week I was talking with someone um, about church. And he's, he's in his mid-20s, late-20s. He's worked in the food service industry, hospitality for his whole life since he was pretty young. He, he currently works as a chef at a restaurant. And we were talking, and... and the, um, the door opened up just to share a little bit of Jesus with him. And listen, I don't get this right every time. In fact, I, I miss opportunities, but I, I had a chance to take an opportunity, and I did, and we began to talk. And he said, some of the most miserable people I've met in my life are people that go to church. And he said that, and I wanted to push back and argue with him in that moment. Because we were talking about the Bible and Jesus, and he just he really kind of opened himself up to me, and I was surprised. But he said that, and I, I was like, I, I began to think through my church experience. And I've met in, incredibly wonderful people, loving, kind, generous, selfless, servants. I've met so many people like that. But I've met some real pieces of work, too. And, and I'm not talking about anyone in this place specifically. I just said, don't, don't go. Said, what? what? But I, I've met some people that, they're, they're hard to love. They're hard to like. 
So how, how do I treat and how do I interact with people to help them believe the message of Jesus? Number two, how do I steward my position, my place, and my platform to help people believe the message of Jesus? And you've been put in a place, you've been put in your neighborhood on purpose. I, I've shared our, some of our stories with our neighbors. Um, and and uh, um, in fact, uh, you know, um, excited today, I'm going to get to baptize one of our former neighbors this afternoon as she goes public in her faith and trust in Christ. And I'm so excited and proud of her for taking that step. But we... we we have, we have a neighbor right now that we're kind of feuding with. Are pastors allowed to do that? Um, and, and, and she's irritating. Just, just the thought of her get, is like fingers on the chalkboard to me. If I'm being honest, I'm like, ah. Oh. And, and then I feel like I'm, I'm making some progress, and then, then Crystal will say something like that. And I, uh, uh, she will frustrate Crystal, and I'm like, ah, oh, and it all just comes back, and we kind of play off of each other. But we're not in that neighborhood by accident. God didn't put us in that house by accident. He hasn't put you where you're at by accident, in your job, in your family, in your community. How do I steward my position, my place, and my platform to help people believe in Jesus? Number three, how do I view and respond to current events and issues in order to help people believe in Jesus? Um, this is where there's no really curt short answer for this question. This is where we need the mind of Christ to help us because it, there's a lot out there. There's so much in the news cycle that we could respond to and, and we could view and, and we could impact. How, how do we do that? With, with the ultimate desire of sharing the message of Jesus with people. The last one is this. How do I speak and stand for the truth of God's word in a way that helps people believe in Jesus. People can walk away from the truth, but they should never walk away from the truth because of the way that I shared it. People can walk away. They can choose that. But it should never be because of the attitude or the actions or the way that I communicated the truth to them. We, we, have, we are supposed to stand up for what's right and what we believe in and what God's word says, but do it in a, in a way, in an attitude that reflects Jesus. And so here's what I'd like to do to wrap up today. Thanks for putting up with my voice, Lee. Thank you for mixing my voice as best as you could to make it bearable for us. I, I want to ask you to stand, and we're going to look at two more scriptures both from the book of John. And they're going to be on the screen or on the screens or on your phones if you're looking at that. It's John 16, 7. Um, and I want us to read these together and then we're going to pray. But before we do that, before we look at these scriptures, I, I just want to say this, and I might get some pushback for this, but it's something that Jesus said, and we'll see it in these two verses. When it comes to the mission of God, meaning God restoring and bringing people of all shapes, sizes, um, races, um, backgrounds, bringing people into a relationship with him, the mission of God, when it comes to the mission of God, 
physical Jesus is not better, meaning Jesus being on the earth, and we're going to see it right here, is not better than a gospel-centered, spirit-filled, mission-driven Christian and their unified, mobilized, gathered, and scattered local church. And so let's read these scriptures together. John 16, 7. I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And Jesus, with all his miraculous power, with all his ability to communicate to the most dignified, knowledgeable person in the crowd and to the person in the crowd who maybe didn't understand just basic things, he could communicate to both of them truth at the same time in a miraculous and powerful way. He could do miracles. He could heal. He said, but listen, it's better that I leave. It's to your advantage. It's to your benefit. It's to the world's benefit because I am sending you You are to live, once you know me, you're to live sent. I'm sending you into this world to help people believe the message about who I am and what I came to do. Here's the second scripture, John 20, verse 21 and 22. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. I was sent, I'm sending you. Can we pray together? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for giving us the gift of Jesus in this world. God, I don't, I don't know where I would be without Jesus. You're so good to us. And God, I've experienced hope and peace and newness of life. I've experienced a love that is so real that it is not fake in any way because of what you came to do for all of us. God, thank you for sending us out. And God, we don't have to go to Zimbabwe or Congo or the Netherlands to be sent. Man, thank you for those missionaries that we have that have put their comforts of life here in the, in the states on hold and have gone to serve you in people groups and tribes and nations. All Thank you, God, so much for them. But God, just as they're sent as missionaries, God, you have called us to be sent out in our daily life, in our daily commute, in our daily jobs, in our daily comings and goings to help people believe the message of Jesus. So God, I I, I pray that you would help us remember that, remind us of that, 
burn that in our hearts and in our minds and in our souls. God, I pray that you would help us as individuals, and I pray that you will help us as a church be better at doing that. And God, just just new and um, God-inspired ideas to share Jesus. God, not for our benefit, but because we want people to experience what we've experienced. We want people to know the peace that you bring into our lives, even when the world around us is crumbling, even when tragedy strikes, even when things don't make sense in our journey of life. God, your peace comes into the situation, and it's the only thing that we can hold on to. There's people out there that don't know that, and they're hanging by a thread. So help us. Help us to remember that we're sent out. Would we wrestle with some of these questions in our own journey, in our own spiritual walk, and as a church, God, we thank you so much for your presence here today in this place. In your name we pray for your honor and glory. Amen. Listen, as we're standing, um, Mickey, would you, would you lead us in the, in the chorus of It Is Well? Just kind of a declaration today that we can be reminded of God's faithfulness to us and that can, that can impact us sharing and helping people receive and helping people believe the message about Jesus. Would you sing that? Let's sing that together as Mickey leads us.
I would encourage you, if at all possible, um, today to, uh, to make your way to Long Beach uh, this evening. From, we're going to be there from 5 to 7. Baptisms will probably happen right around 5.30. So if you're a couple minutes late after 5, you haven't missed it. But um, we're going to celebrate with these individuals that have made a decision to follow Christ and are, and are going public with that. And uh, we have six people being baptized. We're really excited for them about the step that they're taking and um, looking forward to that. So one, it would be a way for you just to celebrate them and to, to come alongside them and just congratulate them. And then the second piece of it, it's an opportunity for you to meet people that maybe you go to church with but you never really talk to other than during the greeting time, which is usually just, hi, how you doing? And then we ask the next person, hi, how you doing, right? So... Uh, it accomplishes both those things. We're going to be together and um, just really, really excited about celebrating with those individuals uh, this afternoon. Um, if you have any questions about that or if you want to make, take that step and be baptized, you can still do that as well. But uh, love to see you this afternoon from 5 to 7 p.m. at 507 uh, Oak Haven Drive in Long Beach. And uh, we're going to celebrate and be together for a couple hours this evening. God bless you. Have an amazing, amazing rest of your day, and uh, we hope to see you soon. Thanks.